0: Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Today, we're going to be interviewing with Tracy Dunblazer and her book, The Demon Slayer's Handbook. And the point and focus of today's program is to understand and recognize the dark, understand some of these entities, not necessarily by name, not to glorify or praise them, but to know and be aware of them so we can actually progress in our lives and hopefully a more peaceful-like manner. Tracy's interview, I feel, brings out a lot of points that some people, especially in the New Age movement, would like to ignore. They would like to think that darkness does not exist. And by concentrating or by thinking about darkness in one way, shape, or form, you're disempowering yourself. I think you need to be aware of it. And the more aware you are of dark and the more aware you are of light, the more... Or the greater perception you can have not to say you have to be completely immersed in the dark but to completely not recognize it and to just kind of push it underneath the rug i think is probably disempowering and could actually be harmful but i'm really happy with this interview i think it's very interesting there's a lot of positive points there's a lot of helpful hints to keep yourself protected and immersed in the light so let us begin today's interview with miss tracy Dunblazer, author of the demon slayers handbook Joining us now is Miss Tracy Dunblazer, a Los Angeles-based spiritual empath shaman, author, and speaker. She wrote a great book called The Demon Slayer's Handbook, actually book one and book two, A Practical Guide to Mastering Your Inner World. You can learn more about her by going to her website at BeASlayer.com. Miss Dunblazer, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Thank you. So, I'd say we we talked earlier this week and then you sent me your book and I have to say it was pretty darn interesting. This is one of the first shows we're really going to go into addressing the dark and I feel it's very important because when we have a thorough knowledge of this, it's some way easier I think, to transcend and I think that's what your book intends to do. It helps people transcend. Can you please explain why you wrote the book and what are some of the biggest powerful lessons that you can teach people about it?
1: Absolutely, you know, uh, Ryan. I tell you what. Um, I-, I won't even get into my story just yet. We can deal with that later. But people, people have such a relationship to uh, the things in their life that bring them fear, or and we call them the darkness or the shadow, and it gets very, you know, cryptic and scary. And the more people focus on all of those things. The, the negative things in our life are really the things that are potent enough to actually pierce our cognizant thinking, our knowing in, in as a human being. And when we talk about uh, demonic energies or other entities, other worldly entities, we, ha- we are human beings with a physical expression. And all of the other la- layers of energy that derive from us and extend to connect with the Creator – Whatever religion you are, whatever your relationship to that is, if you're to your higher self or the universe or however you conceive of it, it's all of those other layers of energy which are multiply, multiple different vibrations of energy. They're just not physical, which means we don't have to fear them. The more we understand the other vibrations of energy and the nature of how energy works and how we as human beings dictate and are in complete control and in complete power of our choices here in the physical realm, the the, the less the, the more positive our lives are going to be able to be. <laughs> you know, the happier okay. we're going to be able to be and the less fear we're going to have towards all things in life. So that's all why right. I wrote <laughs> the book to bust that up. All right.
0: Well I can't tell you. I have seen several shows about the show, the, the haunting shows, and I can't watch them. I usually watch yes. them for about five minutes, and then I put the, 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 the blanket over my pillow and I run out of the room. Yes. And I, these people seem like they're very good people. There, it's always this warm family, and all this crazy stuff happens. So even if they have all that love in their heart, why do those that darkness tend to rise above them or overshadow them? If residual energy or dark energy is so embedded in a physical object like a house, can the intensity of that darkness drown out or override the lightest of lights?
1: Well, they can't, first of all. But let me, let me break it down to you this way. Oftentimes, it's not really houses. That's I, 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 one of the specialties that I do is I do a lot of house clearings for people. And people do leave past residue in, in the home, but most often it is people that are haunted rather than the house. It also can be the land that is haunted. Um, and when people come to a haunted place, it is the nature of their energy that attracts them to it and, and pulls up their own, everybody has their own spiritual imprints or patterns, things that they come into this lifetime uh, with, a sense of knowledge about things. Sometimes people call them past lives. You can sometimes people travel with entities. You can, there's a lot of different ways that you can recognize that people come already locked and loaded with a lot of information. And when you bring a person who is haunted or they're becoming aware of the different levels of energy that they, they themselves are carrying, it often is lit up in situations around them. So when you're talking about, when you see situations like a poltergeist or uh a lot of things that you see – I mean, I've been in this – I I was haunted, and I grew up uh, experiencing uh, many uh, demonic attacks uh, in my childhood from – you know, I, I have Wait, memories. So what happened? I, well, I have actual memories from being age two in the crib and being perceptive of these energies that were around me. Um, one time, I, I think I was five or six at this time, and I woke up, and there was a, a being – um, it, it was kind of one of those traditional ones. I'm trying to think of the movie. I've seen I've seen this expression of it before. It was a, in one of the oh, Constantine, the Keanu Reeves movie. The, the creepy crawlies they had in that one. That was what was on me. It was, had it had four legs and it had this creepy face and he's on he's on my chest. And I immediately and I did not go to church uh, at that time. I was I was. Uh, I was born and and raised in the Methodist church, but we never really participated in religion. And I automatically went into reciting the Lord's Prayer, and I had never learned it. And I recognize that in myself because I know that I, I do prescribe to past lives, and for the people who don't, you can consider them spiritual imprints. But I had the imprint of that relationship to Catholicism and Christianity and that relationship to what do, what do you do when an entity shows up? And I experienced an enormous amount of fear. Um, people who are addicted to things, um, people who have experienced uh, abuse and different traumas uh, in life or even past lives oftentimes are haunted. And so when you see a, something depicted in one of the movies like a, like a poltergeist, uh, oftentimes those are personal. If people have demons, if people are, uh, relating to otherworldly, lower vibrational energies, it's because it's personal to them. There's some reason why that thing is following them and they have, at some point in their life, they're going to have to readjust their perspective, look directly at it and deal with it and make a choice about it and then take authority over themselves and that thing.
0: Okay, I want to pause you right there because this yeah. is going to lead to a two-part question. And first one is: Are the dark forces are they more attracted to like-minded dark, or are they more attracted to a light or more innocence? And the second part to that question is: How do you face that darkness?
1: Uh, demons don't want anything but to create chaos. Okay. So they don't. They don't care. If if. Uh, there is a, a saying in, in, uh, that they use a lot in AA, which is you spot it, you got it. So when you see something in somebody else that you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe he just did this or that, it's because you have that nature and you are aligned with doing that as well. It's the reason why you recognize it. And so when an entity connects to you, it is because there is an agreement, either consciously or unconsciously. An agreement unconsciously says, hey, I'm hang- angry, you're angry, let's be angry together, right? Or I'm sad and you're sad and let's be sad together, okay? So whatever the nature of the demon is or the entity, you you align because you have a mutual energy that connects you. It becomes the glue between the two of you. And how you deal with that is, A, you look for, um, like, th- there's a certain protocol, which I give in the book, um, which Please is
0: addressed the chapter with it in because
1: uh yes.
0: wait, the, the this book I wanna let everyone know, uh, Demon Slayer's Handbook. It's very well laid out. There really are specific parts in the book where everything is very addressed so it's not like you have to search through chat pages upon pages to find the answers. Yeah, the, the chapter letter is, is well done so it'll really kind of go into every aspect you need to know. So I, want to I, I appreciate
1: that because I wrote it for people like me who have a, the attention span of a flea. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know I
1: I want, I want somebody you because know, usually when you're going through stuff that's really hard like this, it's emotionally hard, it's spiritually hard, you don't have the focus or the wherewithal well to be focused enough to, to actually read a chapter. But you can open up the book and look at the little uh, grayed-out area and look at the quote, um, or you can look at the big writing and see what it says. You, you know what I mean? There's there's a lot of different there's inspiration on every single page that is you can absolutely cherry pick when you need to do that. Anyway, so I appreciate you uh, acknowledging that. Um, the uh, protocol, and I have to look and see where it is. So I'm going to be doing that while I'm talking about it. Um, but it's It's uh, specifically intended um, for you to walk through what is your alignment with whatever it is that's happening. Sometimes people actually do have entities. There are a lot of, like, uh, very sensitive people. There are lots of different, uh, say, ghosts or discarnate energies, people who have um, lived and then died abruptly for some reason, and so their spirit is unable to uh, cross over. And... When that happens, oftentimes they catch a ride with with like-minded people, and then eventually, oftentimes, I have a lot of clients. I have a I have a girl who comes to see me. Every time she comes to see me, she's got an entourage with her that she has collected since the last time. Jeez. And uh, and go ahead.
0: Well, where, where, where does she pick them up? Is, she, is it like a? Uh,
1: well, I don't, you know, many places. Lots from her neighborhood, and she must be near a hospital because she always seems to. There seems to be, have uh, been, been experiences where she um, connects to people who have been in a hospital or been died in a hospital or gotten in a car accident or um, there's a, in the neighborhood that she lives, there's, a, there's quite a few shootings, and I think that she's collected a few from that. And the good news is that every time she comes, like you, she comes when she feels like, okay, I've, I've taken on something and I'm not able to see it, but I can feel it. That's when she comes to me and we I walk her through the process, and we are able to deliver all these spirits to where they need to go.
0: You see someone, if you're going to face this darkness, what, are, I mean, if you, what do you do? Can you sage? Is that helpful? Can you use lavender oil? Is that helpful? Do you, how do you really address and get rid of whatever entity, and how, what are some of the signs that you might have an entity with you or messing with you?
1: Um, well, one of the things that I, uh, any ritual that you do, is an acknowledgement of your commitment for freedom and transformation on whatever level you need it on. Okay, so that's what ritual is. It's not the 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 when when they're they're in cultures they have specific rituals that, that have been done sometimes for thousands of years, and they're potent because you know hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people have. You know, like the, the 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 speaking of the rosary. When you are praying the rosary, you know, millions of people on the planet have read the rosary. And so that has a particular weight because you are connecting with the intention of all of those people on some level to do what they need to do to transform what they need to transform. That's why people go to church, okay? But the reality is, is what, whether or not you go to church or whether or not you do any of these rituals or whether or not you make up your own, it is your own proof to yourself of your commitment to call on, recognize, and uh, embrace the change that is, in fact, on its way to you. The minute you ask for it, it is—it is on. It's, it's already there, and you just have to find a way to open yourself to it. And oftentimes well, we have. Go who's ahead. granting
0: it, though? Who's granting it? Is it is is it part of who's granting you the the, the freedom or the power?
1: Um, it is your. Uh, this gets into the concept of God, uh, but God is not, you know, a man or a woman or a thing per se. It is, it is the the transformative nature of creative energy. <laughs> How do you like that? That's uh, um, great, right? So here, it, you know, when we say thoughts are things. And when you put a thought out into the world, there are people, like, there are a lot of dense people who would not give that a second thought. They put a thought into the world and they keep moving because they don't have the awareness. And then there are other people who, and there's more and more and more of them now, especially in the, you know, uh, teens, you know, the children, teens, and 20s, 20-somethings generation have come, have come in with ultra-sensitive perception. And, they can recognize these energetic shifts that people have through their thinking. Um, it's very different if you uh, are, you know, you're, you're having a bad day and you go to get a coffee and you ask for your coffee and they say, here, you know, and, and you weren't mad at them and they weren't mad at you, but because you were already in your mind having a bad day, you it promoted and provoked an equal response that oftentimes people who are unaware don't even know that they match the response of another person. So when when you talk about uh, asking, you're you're really asking your deepest self or your highest self, whichever direction you want to go with that. If you go in or you go out, it doesn't matter because it's all – our outer world is a reflection of our inner world. As we speak it, it becomes until we become aware of it. Right, bringing it out of us means that we have some cognizance, some conscious awareness of what we do and why we do it and how we do it, and then whether or not we like that. And it brings us the results that we like. And if it doesn't, then we have the freedom to change that. Right, and that's the same thing with entities. If you if you have a trail of entities, I have had <laughs> I have worked with people whenever I have a commune, and they like them. Because energetically, they're on some level aware, conscious or unconscious, they have conversations with them and they don't feel lonely. So maybe it creates chaos or maybe it creates, uh, it soothes their boredom, right? There's all kinds of reasons that people call on or have the idea of connecting with otherworldly energies. And sometimes they do it, like I said, a lot of people do it and they don't know that they do it
0: because um, people that have those relationships actually could inadvertently be pulling the dark entities into the light in some way shape or form by kind of showing compassion
1: yes absolutely that is that is exactly yes. the idea um, oftentimes the, the more aware you become uh, of otherworldly entities some, some some are intended to be here and, and some are not right and right now we're, a t- we're at a time on the planet where there are a lot of ancient, entities that were created thousands of years ago and we are transforming them because there are a lot of sensitive people on the planet who when they can make a make a connection with them have the ability to bring them into this density of of bring them into this world and get them to become something else through their intention
0: okay Uh, i just want to stay in focus on one part is that when you come back to the oh my god, what are some of the indications that I have a negative entity around me? What okay. do I do to get this thing the hell off me, to get it away? So okay. That, so, if you were to, so how would you address that if somebody says that to you?
1: Um, well, so I, uh, I recently worked with a gal who uh, felt like she had an entity. And she had been to several different people and then came to me. And when she came to me, the first session I sat with her and I said, look, you know, this is yours, and I know you want these experiences you're having to stop. I know you want them to stop, but they're not going to stop until you decide that you deserve for them to stop. So uh, what, what uh, hearing voices, uh, sometimes having little physical pains that don't make sense, uh, sometimes um, demon, dem, demonic energies or, or other worldly energies um, sometimes can be friendly. And so they align with you. Like if you're angry, they support your anger. Anytime you have an emotion that seems uh, out of the ordinary, that's a huge indication that there is some energetic support of whatever you're feeling. Um, I can tell uh, just energetically I've had experiences where somebody is like standing behind me and I feel their energy because it, it hits me in my power center. And it basically lets me know that it's there. And in those kinds of situations, I I have a philosophy. This is this is this is how I work. Um, I nothing can come to me that does not want to be transformed. And so, if something's getting my attention, I'm going to address it. Who are you? What do you want? Why are you here? How did you get here? You know, you you ask yourself these questions. You know, a lot of times if people, like if you really think that you're being haunted in some way, say, hey, am I being haunted? Who are you? What do you want? Sometimes you'll get an answer. Well, actually, you know, such and such happened. <laughs> right? It's, it's the people that have the awareness that have the most sensitivity to it. If there are a lot of people in the world who don't, who don't have that awareness and who may be being influenced, but don't know it. And the people who are gonna be the, uh, what's the word, interveners, you know, the slayers, that's what I call them, that the difference between uh, being a slayer and a watcher is a slayer is going to intervene in some way. You know, I'll pray for you. I will speak to the energy on your, on your behalf. Why are you here? What do you want? Let's, let's move, let's move you through. Uh, Saint Michael is a angelic being that uh, many religions re- recognize as a demon slayer. And for many people, he's, uh, many people are comfortable. There's, there's, a, there's a, a rendition of him in many different religions. Um, uh, Chong Khoi is one in Chinese, uh, belief systems. Um, Kuan Yin is another. So they're all, uh, higher energy beings. Who have the ability to say no? Jesus is definitely one of them. Jesus delivered people of their demons, right? And demons, if you just want, if you want to consider, if you don't want to personify them with the idea of a name and a personality and a reason for existence, the reality is, is they, you know, all energy, all life has intelligence. So why wouldn't a lower energy being still have some intelligence? They don't have the same level of intelligence because they are denser moving. So their concepts are denser. Their emotions are denser. Uh, demonic uh, demonic realms deal in a caste system or a militarized system. So there's always somebody in charge who's going to kick your ass. And uh, the entire system is perpetuated in fear. So back to your question. Let's, I'm, I'm going to try to stay stay with you on this. Becoming aware, if you, if you think you're a person that's haunted, you know, by all means, get the sage, sage out the house, but be willing to sit in a mindful position in your home and say, hey, what's going on here? You know, uh, if you have the slightest bit of fear about it, call in St. Michael. Call in any, high, you know, uh, archangel or higher, uh, higher being, angelic being, to call in the protection, or you can surround yourself with white light. Something to remind you that you are the one in power. You are the one in control. Okay? You say what comes here and what leaves here. You do. And any any person who is dealing on this sort of a level is learning to set that boundary. Okay? That's the most important thing, uh, Ryan, is that people are learning to set boundaries with themselves and their own self mastery and then with others you know no you can't speak to me that way no you can't do that to me no I won't tolerate that right so that's that's what that's what this world is
0: when you stand up and you say I will not be tormented you make that affirmation that I'm standing yes. does that raise your vibrational frequency and does that affirmation itself carry a frequency or a higher vibration than of anything that would be considered a dark or yes, they're trying to attend to you.
1: Yes, I, I want you to think of it like this. There, I, I, there's one of the passages in the Bible that I always really appreciated, Psalms 23. And lo, though I walk through the valley of the death, there are with mm-hmm. me, and that's this concept. It is a concept that, you know, I, 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 I live near a, a really harsh neighborhood, and when I walk through, I walk through. I'm in it. It's deep. It's dark in there. There are people who might wish me harm or not really care about me most of all. People who are apathetic are the most dangerous. So, But wherever I am, the light is with me. I bring the light. I am the light. I emit the light. And I am connected to the light. And because of that, I can be in complete and total darkness but still have vision. The only difference, right, it's, it's not – I really try to move people from the concept of raising their vibration, because we are always light. I don't care how sad you are, how bad you are, how uh, awful your life has been. Uh, you are light, and you are always of the right vibration. But most of all, it's important to understand that whatever whatever thing that you're thinking or doing or being has a purpose where it's at. And if you can understand that purpose, then you can uh, change how you're interacting with it. Right. Nobody and, likes to be. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say. And also, are there any types of physical materials that tend to, like, say, push away the dark? Does sage drive away the dark? Does lavender oil drive away the dark? Do uh, what other physical objects drive away the dark? And I have to tell you something right now, that admit to listeners, that if you're at my house and a book balls on the floor and I don't know where uh-huh. it came from. I'm running out of my room with the Mel Gibson face mask on and two things of sage. It literally, it, it smells like sage most of the time in the house. And my was like, no, a book just fell. I'm like, I just want to be sure. <laughs>
1: it's hilarious. Um, oh, it, it's
0: hilarious. Yes, it is hilarious, but you don't live here. It? It's
1: hilarious for me, not so much for you. Oh. I, I certainly no, I- don't on um- <laughs>
0: I think we actually bring in more dark entities because of all the cursing
1: that happens afterwards. How many times do you have to save the house today? <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it, it should be a daily ritual. And understand that the sage, any any ritual, again, is re, reaffirming the idea that you are setting a boundary that this is your territory. This is your house. Your energy lives here. Okay? And that's, that's what any ritual does. There, is, there are many, culturally speaking, uh, people have used frankincense, myrrh, amber, um, uh, dragon's blood, which I don't even know. That's a, that's a very that's a specific. It's used in the magic magical cultures, but it's a, a pagan cultures. It's a specific uh, incense with a specific smell. It's a pretty harsh smell, and I can't tell you what's in it because I don't know. Um, cedar is another one. Juniper is another one. Uh, there is a, a deity in the religion of Ifa and Santeria uh, named Elagua, and he actually takes a, a swig of gin and then spits it out to clear the space. <laughs> so whatever you do, whatever ritual you choose to do, uh, it is all about reinforcing your commitment and your own sense of your light and the light you're bringing into the world and that you are commanding that light to come down and clear the space and create harmony.
0: There's another, well, there are many parts about your book that are very fascinating. And I I do apologize if we jump around a bit because I just want to come around. You say one part, don't go looking for a demon, they will find you. And I'm kind of curious to know, That if you are actively trying to pick a fight with a demonic entity and you're trying to push your will upon it, aren't you becoming the same energy that it is vibrating because isn't it trying to do the same thing to you? So by you, regardless of how justified, regardless of how moral you feel by infringing upon it, aren't you in essence becoming it and giving more energy to it by seeking it out and causing it, seeking to cause harm to it?
1: Um, so that that uh, depends on your approach. One of the things I specifically talk about is play on your own field. Um, you you don't want to call on something if you don't know what it is. That's one of the stories that I tell is this dude that I met who didn't believe that demons exist, and so he says, "Yeah, I don't think that I don't think you exist at all." And one came to him one night, and it didn't leave for four for four years, and he didn't sleep very much of that time. And that's when I met him. It had been four years and he was a mess. He'd lost half his hair and he was a mess. And because he challenged it, I don't think you believe, I don't think that you exist. So, uh, it depends, you know, when, when you, when you fight fire with fire, the fire just gets bigger. And so when I talk about fighting the devil one little demon at a time, I'm not, there, there are ultimately, A person has got to move through their need to change something else, but more so change themselves, right? The focus has got to be, I can't, I can't, you and I are going to go toe to toe. I have to be stronger, smarter, more emotionally intelligent, and more spiritually wise than you in order to do battle with you directly. So I'm not ever going to choose that. I'm just going to do me. I'm going to be me. And I'm going to be the most powerful me that there ever was. And so we either align. You either align with me on that or you move away from me because that's how the universe works. Whatever you put out there, whatever you're afraid of is the first thing that comes to you, right? So you don't necessarily do battle directly with a demon. And uh, you can – I've had many – I've done many deliverances where it was not – Uh, for lack of a better way to say it, it was not the time or the karma for that demon to be transformed in a particular way. And so all they did is move away from the person I was working with. And in the the story of the, the gal I was just telling you about, she still suffers because there are some things that she has to face within herself and transform within herself in order for her to feel that she is powerful enough to own her own space. And the energy that she has happens to be from a past love that she's still in love with but doesn't want to deal with that. Cause she's married and that's uncomfortable. <laughs> mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> so yep. oftentimes, you know, the idea of a demon, it's really that there is something that you're hiding. Demons, if you have, if you have nothing for them to capitalize on you, you bore them and they don't want any part of you. That's the truth. She, but if you have something, so, yeah, go ahead.
0: So, all right. So, what, like, what would be some of the things that would make you make you desirable? Like what does uh, uh, and this uh, there's actually? Sorry, let me. I'm going to start this question. Three, two, one. What would be some of the things that would make you desirable to demonic entities? And as far as some of the things, uh, does pornography, marijuana, alcohol, any kind of drug abuse make you more vulnerable?
1: Uh, It absolutely 100% can. It really depends on your level of mastery. Um, Pornography is a way that people feed themselves without having to deal with their intimacy issues. Right? You know, hey, I can watch that and get off and, and be good and no strings attached. Right? That's one of the reasons that people watch that kind of stuff over and over. And when it becomes an addictive thing, it's because it's actually changed the chemistry in their body, as does, uh, any other form of, uh, uh, addiction or, uh, substance. So you have to deal with it on many levels. Again, if you have demons, they're personal to you. You're not, you know, it, it is, it's, it's less common. So uh, again, we go back to the idea of agreement. Uh, I'm angry, you're angry, let's be angry together. So, uh, the mob mentality. Oftentimes that, that's one of the things that we, people have really tried to understand about the mob mentality and it's actually uh, that there's a spiritual, when a group of people align with the same idea and energy, other energies of, of a spiritual nature that are not incarnate can align with that energy as well and, and give it what appears to be superhuman power. Right. And, and the same for good. That's when miracles happen, right? The guy who sees, you know, the car that's dropped on the baby and he runs out and lifts it up because he is not going to walk away without that car being lifted off that baby. Because he has decided that and that's what's going to happen. And the spirits come up and they help him. Right. And these are all things that most people don't, they're not aware of, of the other energies that are influencing around them. Right. But they're there and they help. And that, so that's when, when, when things get otherworldly, it is always guided by the nature of the person, uh, that's calling, that's calling on an intention for a creation or support in something. Um, so like I said, any emotion, sadness, grief, depression, anger, uh, frustration, um, humiliation, feeling devastated, uh, all of those kind being disappointment you know when you know, I don't know if you've ever experienced this but if you are disappointed in one part of your life it, pretty soon that that energy becomes pervasive and you become disappointed everywhere and then you expect everyone to then disappoint you and therefore you're always disappointed and that's when depression comes okay right that's one of the things that i talk about in in the book is about the, the relationship to anxiety and depression and mental illness right as they relate to spirituality because depression doesn't happen overnight it's been, you know, if you get to the point where, where uh, you know, um, rock bottom looks good on you, you know, you're sleeping for five days out of seven, right? When you're in that position, that didn't happen overnight. It happened slowly but surely over a long period of time, and now you're stuck in the chemical rhythm of that thing. And one of the things I talk about is that any time a person gets slowed to that point, because that's what it is, they become slow. Mm-hmm. They also have the opportunity to look within and become aware as to what originated, what was the, the beginning thought that led them to that place, right? And so it's the same thing with any pervasive energy, good or bad. The universe works in a particular way. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. You know, if you're good and you focus on good and things, uh, if you remain in an open-hearted, flexible place, you perpetuate that. If you are closed and angry and bitter and defined and resistant to movement, that you know, demons love that.
0: <laughs> but there's there's something you had said you addressed, and I want to come back to it about the demon and the demonic entity would come to a person or be attracted to a person when they have anger. Yes. What if the anger is justified anger? And I'll explain the situation. You are locked into a belief pattern that is very limiting, that is very controlling, that is causing you to give of your power, give of your divinity to either an institution or another human being. You realize that this is a lie. You break away or you come to other realizations in your life and you realize that the ways that you've done or the the lives that you've lived is no longer applicable and you have that anger and it's justifiable anger. Even though you are pulling away from one control mechanism and reclaiming your divine self, does that still draw a demonic response? Wouldn't they want? To, wouldn't they kind of back away from you at that point?
1: Um, that's a really great point to bring up and for us to, to reiterate a few things. Uh, anger is an, is an amazing – one of the things I talk a lot about is the idea of negative emotions. People have such fear of negative emotions and negative thinking, but it is the reality that our negative thinking brings our higher messages into our physical realm. So if you're really negative, there's a positive on the other side of that. You just may not be in a position to see it. Anger is an amazing emotion that is a, a great mover. It's a great mover of energy. So if you're feeling depressed and something pisses you off, you are able to move up and out, of that depression into movement. And any choice, any movement in any direction or any degree will create change for you on every level. So that's really important to understand. Um, the next thing is is when, when somebody has righteous anger, then you uh, move into the next level of self-mastery. And that next level of self-mastery has to do with the devil may give you an opportunity, right? Something might rise up around you that gives you the opportunity to be mean to someone, to uh, try to diminish another person, to make yourself feel better, to uh, hurt somebody physically, right? There, There is no place in any situation where killing another person is sacred Righteous or helpful. And what if they are? What
0: if? What if they're trying to kill somebody that you love? What if, they're, if they're directly trying to infringe upon or, or take the life of a loved one?
1: Ah, you know, I know that. See, this is where it gets tricky.
0: Yep. Because you have... <laughs> you know, I you know. To go there.
1: No, but this, no, but this is this is. See, here's the thing. What we again? This is about self mastery and you knowing how much power you have. I had. Uh, I always, oh my God, I loved uh, Wonder Woman and her uh, copper cuffs. I always, I don't know. I think of them as copper. I don't know that they were copper, but she, uh, you know, uh, staved off uh, flying bullets. And I always, I always believed that that was a truth. I believed that we could do that. And so I was uh, on the street one day. I was I was driving. And this fight, I'm going to try to shorten the story, but this fight broke out between two guys in two cars. And, and a guy was making a left-hand turn, and the other guy was directly in front of me or d- just to the side of me. Anyway, this kid pulled around, stopped his car 20 feet past my car, got out, and he was a, he was a teenager. And I knew, he was, I knew he had a gun. I don't know how I knew. I just knew he had a gun. He got out of his car and threw himself in his backseat to look for it. And there were two or three other people on the street, and they were ducking because they knew as well. Everybody was waiting that, that had the awareness that this was happening, was waiting for the barrage of bullets that were coming. And I sat there, and in this moment, I was like, "Okay, this cannot happen. I, I am, I am in, I'm in the line of fire here, and I'm not, ha- I'm not have this is not, I'm not the one." I'm saying this to myself. So I looked in my rearview mirror, and I could see this kid perfectly, and I said, "I love you." <laughs> I love you and th- you. this is not worth it. You have two options here and there are people in your world that love you. I, I just started talking to him in my mind. It wasn't even out loud. I was just, I was beaming it through my mirror, through my eyes. I was saying all of this to him telepathically. And the next thing I know, he pulls out, uh, c- comes out of his, his back seat, looking around like he was dazed, like somebody stole his thoughts and his thunder he shook his head and got in his car and walked away or drove away. <laughs> oh. And then I burst into tears and went and, you know, bought a pack of cigarettes. So here's okay, the I thing. At, at the end of the day, if you believe you can stave off bullets, and there are a thousand ways to do it. You know what I mean? Truly, there, if you believe in supernatural energy, energy that you can't see, that you know is there, if you believe in that, if you know the truth of that for yourself, you can call it down and it will save you. If, if that, if that is your truth and your karma, that, that will happen. Now, how, you know, how does a person get to the point at which they're at peace with that and they're willing to challenge it by not shooting that guy for trying to get at your family? You know, I, I'm, I, I'm not a, the, the thing about me and what I have learned is that you can't, You know, as much as I would love everyone to think like me, and I say that slightly facetiously, but then slightly not, the reality is, is you can't judge people for where they're at because we all are here for the same, uh, with the same desire to, to have fun and to transform ourselves and to, to recognize our, our spiritual power in a human experience. You know, and who am I to judge what is right for you? You know, I I can't do that. You know, what, what what the actions that you take, there is a right choice in every opportunity you get to make one for you. That unless I'm willing to completely walk in your shoes and know you, know what that is, I can't judge you. And oftentimes when I am because I am an empath, that's what I do, is I do walk in people's shoes and I do witness why what they did was the right thing. And That's, you know, again, it's not me to decipher what is right for somebody else. It's right for me to be who I am and to encourage and empower and educate people who don't know what their power is just yet. And hopefully there'll be a, you know, a 51% shift at some point that changes everything.
0: On page 58 of your book, you say that laughter is the best medicine and it seems that if you're laughing very hard, you're, what, are you're you sending a tsunami of positive energy wiping out darkness? Does darkness not have a sense of humor? Because there's always this idea that you know, I tend to have a very dark sense of humor sometimes where yeah. I can laugh at some. So if you are making light of a very dark situation, are you taking away the negative aspect of the, uh, the situation?
1: Uh, that is a great question. Um, Thank you. No. Here's the thing. So we we have uh, this this has been a fabulous topic since since I wrote this I've actually been interviewed a couple of times uh, in uh, in uh, periodicals about this because this is a this is kind of a big thing so when the more you laugh by a lot, uh what's the word I want um, your chemistry I right chemistry, yeah. your body chemistry changes and sets off endorphins that create a a lightness and an awareness lightness doesn't mean happy it means aware okay darkness and dense just means unmoving and dense it doesn't it doesn't mean that uh, it's good or bad it just means it's unmoving and dense it's thick it's heavy okay so that's really important to you know I want I want to keep reiterating that to folks that if something is dark it doesn't mean it's bad it means it's dense and heavy and hard to move Okay, so laughter helps you to move it when people have a dark sense of humor as I do as well um, it's because we are learning to laugh at the harsh truths of life true humor comes from recognizing the human folly at the universal truth. You know, uh, we're all gonna die someday. So any illusion that we're not is just not truthful, right? So making dead jokes, you know, I make a lot of dead jokes. And that's, I'm not making fun of the people who are dead or making fun of the families who are suffering from the people who died, right? I'm not, I'm not doing that. What I'm doing is I am making fun of the fact that Oh, as a human being, we want to grasp that idea that we're not going to die because to deal with death directly is scary. (laughs) It makes you answer all these other questions like, why am I here and where am I going afterwards? Right? So humor is to bring a lightness equals awareness. Lightness equals awareness. I want to bring an awareness to that thing that's confusing me. Right? That's what humor does. Now, when humor, like if, if you, uh, people oftentimes make fun of people who are, uh, not the same as them, right? They consider them in a diminished capacity and they think that's funny and they make fun of them, right? But the joke is really on them, right? When, when somebody is ignorant and they make a, in quotation marks, funny joke, about somebody, their race, color, creed, religion, um, body type, whatever, sexual orientation. When people make jokes about those things, it's because they are afraid of them. And the joke, the laughter, even if it, they, they actually have a visceral laugh, right, that's bringing them a, a closer to the awareness of what they're afraid of about that thing. Okay? Hey, that's well, that's a, Go ahead.
0: Sure. I was going to say that in uh, American culture today, as I can observe, I think oh, there seems to be this over-hyping of being outraged, perpetual outrage where I'm <laughs> offended by everything. And I yeah. feel that when people say I'm offended, they basically announce to the world that I am basically a weak person or I have no power your other external stimuli controls and dominates my reality, and I have no control over my emotions, so I need to have someone else control my emotions for me. And I'm saying that in the sense that when you have a society that's perpetually outraged and everyone's offended – in one way, aren't they giving the demonic entities uh, basically a, a buffet of, of energy to choose from? Isn't there coming a point where you need to kind of disconnect and not let the external stimuli affect you, hence being pulled into the collective that is being weighed down with darkness?
1: Okay, so um, that was very dramatic sounding. Thank you for that. That was amazing. Uh, so okay. here's the thing. Uh The people who are offended, there's this whole new awareness about emotional intelligence. I'm an empath. There was a time in my life where I was, you know, I want to use the F-bomb here. I was F-bomb offended about everything. And because literally, physically, if somebody said something that was offensive to me, it felt like you just punched me in the gut. And I had to process that. Literally, physically, emotionally, mentally, I had to process it. I had to cry it out. I would cry for days sometimes, right? And, you know, definitely could you say I was, you know, emotionally weak? I don't know if it's weakness or strength, but it's receptivity. There's a whole other level of receptivity that certain people have. And not everybody is that way, but if you are a person, so we're going to speak directly to the people who are offended, okay? Okay. Those Listen people, up,
0: you weaklings. Sorry, yeah, you, you bunch of weaklings. You bunch uh, of crybabies. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> you sniveling crybabies. Man up. Right. I'm offended. Go
0: ahead. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> Those people have an experience that other people don't. And it is one of a visceral response to what's being said because it's connecting with them in a personal way. And what we need to do, and, and, and their offense, is letting them know that. And when they align with a bunch of other people on the planet, they align to let the rest of us know that what's happening is not good. It's just not good. You know, and, and there's nothing bad about any of that. Truthfully, there's nothing bad about any of that. So what we want to do in that case, right, is to recognize that uh, you don't have to spend one second of your time focusing on the crybaby. You can pray for them or you can say, you know what? I ain't got nothing for you. Adjust your attention to whatever it is that you're doing. But just know that this is their process to wellness. This is their okay. process to transform a deep seated karmic spiritual pattern that is pervasive in a lot of people. So the more you, you see, you're talking about the, the, I was just, you said it so beautifully, the group of people being Anchored by darkness, right? When, when you, when, when there's a group of people anchored by darkness, it's because what they're, what they're fighting for, what they're bringing to bear, what they're bringing out into the open is something that we have ignored for hundreds, possibly thousands of years. And we can't have it anymore. And it has left this archetypal, spiritual, emotional wound that can only be processed by the thousands of people being offended
0: in the book you really talk and go through all the chakras and if anyone's not familiar with chakras they're apparently their energy portals that when they're all balanced you're, you're very in line to certain things can you please ex- explain the significance and importance of the chakras and also when they are out of balance does that make you more vulnerable to demonic attack? And what chakras would you say would be a biggest priority to protect? Like if one chakra is weak, will that cause a cascading effect? If there's one chakra you should be protecting, what which, which chakra would that, would that be?
1: Well, those are all very interesting questions. So uh, chakras are the energy portals or centers that are in alignment with our um, – I just had the word, and then it went away from me. Um, our system, our central nervous system, and our system of adrenals, our adrenal system. Okay, so each chakra uh, is governed with a part of our adrenal system: our heart, our pancreas, our genitals, um, our root chakra, which is just uh, below, uh, in between the legs, to connect into the earth, um, and then it goes to the heart, the the throat, the third eye, which is in the in the center of the forehead, and then the crown chakra, which is your higher uh, connected chakra, which aligns you with higher thinking. Um, it connects you with uh, angelic beings and higher frequencies. So, uh, each chakra um, brings more energy and releases energy from for, from different parts of your body. And from different parts, different different frequencies of emotions. You know, we'll say that anger is an emotion, joy is an emotion, happiness is an emotion, disappointment is an emotion, right? So, our chakra system is our our uh, our exhaust system to take in new energy and replenish our body and our, our light body with new energy, and it also helps us to clear out energies that are no longer necessary for us. Okay, so. Uh, rather than focusing on the importance of protection, I think it's it's important to, to recognize each chakra, what it aligns with in the body, because that's usually when people, uh, if somebody has a lot of anxiety a lot of the time, they're dealing with their uh, second and third chakra, and your third chakra is how you relate to the world and how you perceive that the world relates to you. It is your Energy power center. Okay, so how powerful you are in the world, how good you are at setting boundaries, how uh, good you are at being present um, in your physical life, managing money, right? That's that's all governed by the third chakra. So, if you're having a lot of anxiety, it's important to say, Gosh, you know, why am I having this anxiety? What, what is either there's a lot of energy coming in, and that's overwhelming to my system, or uh, there's something that's there that's blocking it from moving. And that's what you need to know, right? It's, it's less about protecting any, any, uh, no single chakra has more significance from the others. They are all, they all work as a system together. And there, and there are hundreds of chakras, but in the book I just break down the, I really wanted to give a new perspective on the basic, uh, ten chakras. That I that I talk about that brings you the element or understanding of how your physical world mental world and emotional world uh, connect with your spiritual world right now I wanted my, my goal in, in every chapter in the book was to to bring these ideas home to something that's tangible that every single person I don't care who you are or what you believe you can go oh huh you know I never thought of it that way but that makes sense uh-huh. so, uh one of the things that we do, so when you're talking about the idea of protection, what you can do to create an alignment and help your body to keep a flow of energy is to run energy, which is basically focusing on, like as if the sun is uh, shining brightly above your, your head, and it's beaming down this beautiful golden ray of energy that just fills your entire body, and then it connects to the earth. And that's it. Just feel that hot, warm Golden ray of light moving through every part of your body down to the earth, and if you did that two or three times a day, or when you have anxiety, or when you feel sad, or when you feel confused or tired, it'll be helpful.
0: Excellent, Miss Tracy Dunblazer. I want to thank you so much for a great, fascinating interview. We're going to have you back for a part two. Talk about the Demon Slayer's Handbook, part two. You can learn more about Miss Tracy Dunblazer. Hey. A- los angeles based spiritual empath shaman author at baslayer.com. again the book is the demon slayer handbook part book one and we're going to have her back from part two thank you so much for being with us tracy thank you so much okay everyone that concludes today's edition of the outer limits of inner truth radio show special thanks to our fantastic guest miss tracy dumblazer special thanks as always to our virtues miss carrie o'connor Miss Laura Lynn, Miss Constance Dellis, and Miss Lisa Kaza. to learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. dot Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care and thank you so much for listening.